Leadership Next is powered by the folks at Deloitte, who, like me, are super focused on how CEOs can lead in the context of disruption and devolving societal expectations. Welcome to Leadership Next, the podcast about the changing rules of business leadership. I'm Alan Murray, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, <laughs> Ellen McGirt. Always excited about that. And I'm very excited about our conversation today. We are going to be speaking with the truly undauntable Kara Golden, the CEO of Hint. She has an incredible life story. She's a once wannabe fortune reporter who's made the pages <laughs> of the magazine, and now no fortune conference would be complete without her. And she's leading the fastest growing industry independent beverage company, among other things. Evidently, delicious flavored water and sunscreen and hand sanitizer was really popular during the pandemic. But before we get into all of that, Alan, I need to throw to you because you have a very important first question. I'm a big fan of Kara. I've read her book. I am a fan of many things she's done. But I love the commercials. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't. I think we should listen to one. Hint water, get out of here. They got pineapple water that tastes just like pineapple, too. How can water taste just like fruit? How can our feet look just like our hands? Whoa, 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 what? Look, feet, hands, feet, hands, feet, hands. Whoa, you are freaking me out here, Lenny. That haunts me at night. (laughs) (laughs) I hear the voices in my feet. Hands, feet, hands. I will never be rid of it, but I will drink pineapple hint water. But let's bring in Kara because we're so excited to uh, have her here. And and the big question I'd like to ask you, I want to. We'll come back in a minute and talk about your personal background. But here's the thing: the flavored water business is the land of the giants. I mean, Pepsi is in it, Coca Cola is in it, Nestle is in it. Whatever made you think? that you could compete against those huge companies. You know, I I can't say that I actually thought the whole thing through. I mean, I clearly <laughs> knew that there was uh you know, these large soda companies and water companies that were out there. But as you know, I started my career at Time Magazine and then went on to CNN and then moved on to a little startup when I moved to Silicon Valley and then to AOL. And I did not know anything about beverages and clearly hadn't worked for a beverage company other than the fact that I drank them. And I drank a ton of Diet Coke over the years. And frankly, just thought it was healthy because the word diet. And I think when I realized after switching out my diet soda for plain water, I realized that water was better for me, but I was so darn bored with water. And I would (laughs) ask friends, I'd say, do you like water? And some of them would say, yeah, I like water a lot. And others would say, no, I never drink it because it's like, it's super boring. So that's when I decided to start slicing up fruit and throwing it in water. I never really thought of it as I'm going to go start a company or, you know, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I think for me, it was really just about solving a problem. I didn't even think of it as you know, taking on the beverage giants. But you must, somebody, you must have asked people when you were thinking about starting this company, is this a good idea? And yeah. I suspect hundreds of people told you, no. Yeah. Not. Well, you know, it, it was interesting because people, I had taken, I was at AOL for seven years and then I decided to take a little time off. And, you know, it was funny because the, the key thing that I heard from people, I took a couple of years off. I had three kids under the age of four and people would say, when are you going back to work? And I'm like, 
well, I am working. I'm I'm taking care of kids. I'm really enjoying it, actually. And and they'd say, but when are you getting back into tech? But I think for me, I felt that I I wanted to do something that I was really passionate about. And I'm not saying that I didn't have a great experience in tech at all. I just felt like it shouldn't define me. And while that was going on, that's when I realized that I was really interested in getting healthy and interested in making sure that what I was putting into my body, my family's body was really healthy. So when I barely started sharing that I was thinking of launching this beverage, that's when all the the people, the doubters would come out. The family and friends are the worst, right? They're like, why would you do that? It's like, you know, you can be successful. And I kept thinking, well, I already was successful. So can I just go and do something that I think is interesting? And they were, well, I guess so, but don't, <laughs> don't be doing it for very long because, and I'm like, so how long? And nobody <laughs> would really have an answer. And so that's when I just thought, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm going to just try and get a bottle on the shelf and mm-hmm. see what happens. And, but my husband was probably the the worst in that because I figured when I was taking $50,000 out of our bank account, I thought, I better tell him because, you know, we live in a, you know, joint state community property, California. It was like, he might think I'm going <laughs> to the Bahamas with yeah. a bunch of girlfriends or something. And, and so he was like, you have really good ideas. This is not one of your better ones. And I'm like, thanks. And, uh, and then he said, so what's the name of your company? And I said, okay, so here it is. It's called Wawa. And he's an intellectual property attorney. Yeah. He, already done. Right? Already a problem. And, and he knew, I grew <laughs> up in Arizona. Yep. He grew up on, on the East Coast. And he said, so there's this tiny, well, not so tiny company on the, on the East Coast. So don't call it that. And I said, okay, well, you're not my favorite person right now. But he said, okay, just keep talking about your idea. And I said, we're giving people hints and we're, it's just a hint of, and then I said, hint. And he said, four letters, you'll never get it registered. And it was that moment when I decided to do two things. I said, by the way, also register drink water, not sugar. And he's laughing hysterically. And I said, it's really not that funny, actually. It's like, it it really is It's a great trademark. And he said, you'll never get it. And I said, okay, so I'm the business person and you're the lawyer and please go (laughs) register these things. And by the way, I'm pregnant with our fourth child. And he was like, wait, what? You're you're pregnant and you're going to start a beverage company. This seems totally sane. And I said, yeah. And he said, so when, when are you having this fourth child. And I said, in six months, so I'm going to get the product on the shelf before, so I can have a little bit of maternity leave. And so he, I mean, he walked out of the room, Alan and Ellen, and I wasn't sure if he was coming back at coming that back. point. I, I just, I said, uh, well, there he goes and let's, let's hope for the best. And he came back and he said, I, I don't know why you want to do this, but fine. I mean, you, you've made some money and if this is what you really want to do. And I said, look, if we can actually help people enjoy water, then we can change health in the U S in the world Mm -hmm. just by getting people to really pay attention. And that was my purpose then. And that's my purpose today. 
So that's, and I just want to make sure everyone knows that these stories are outlined perfectly and in Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, which is Kara's book. And it is written in Kara's voice. I mean, you can hear, when you read it, you hear her voice telling you these stories in her head. It is that engaging. And congratulations on a wonderful, wonderful book yeah, that I hit don't, right I, before the pandemic. I don't know why you couldn't get that job you wanted writing at Fortune. I mean, all of us who were at Fortune are, are kind of wish we had done what you did. I know. I guess it was, which is a great story. Do you want to tell that story? We didn't have, Fortune Magazine wasn't coming on my college campus, Arizona State University, to come and interview journalism majors like me. But I, I really, that was my goal. My goal was to go and interview at Fortune. But when I finally got to Fortune Magazine, that's when, uh, this is before of course, security at the bottom of the Time Life building. <laughs> and so I just marched up to the HR department. I mean, where else do you go to find a job? You started HR, right? So I went up to HR and I had my letter from the then managing director, Marshall Loeb, and proudly had it in my folder in my briefcase. And I brought it up and I said to the, I can still see her face, the receptionist at, at, uh, the Time and Life building, I said, I'm here to see Marshall Loeb. And she said, <laughs> do you have an appointment? And I said, no, but I have a letter. And he said that if I'm ever in the New York area, that I should let him know. So I'm here. And letting and him know. <laughs> she didn't know what to do with me. So she called them the head of HR. And she came out and she said, you seem very nice, but Unfortunately, I think what Marshall meant, and I said, that's really too bad because I'm leaving tomorrow. Is there anybody else that might be looking for an entry level person? And she said, you know, there's this woman, Brooke McMurray. And I said, great. And I still remember Brooke saying, I'm I'm in circulation. I had no idea what circulation was, but I thought I'm going to go and work for this woman. And eventually I'm going to meet Marshall and I'm going to write for fortune. And that's going to, that is the way this whole thing is going to play out. That never happened. We should talk about today. You know, fast forward to today. You're clearly a person who doesn't take no for an answer. You are undauntable, unsinkable. But let's talk about what Hint is today and, and what kind of a year you had during the pandemic. Crazy year. Yeah. So obviously crazy for everybody this past year and some, you know, worse than others. Uh, I look back on this year starting in March. I'd seen some customer service uh, complaints and I still read customer service emails, even though we're a little bit bigger company. And it was kind of consistent that we were out of stock in many stores. And so wow. I went to Target stores. And I saw that we were indeed out of stock on shelves. And I remember grabbing a manager and I said, can you pull the register data? And the register data actually said that we had plenty in stock. So I knew that there was a problem from a technology standpoint. And then I uh, went back to our team that weekend and I said, we've got to do something. What's happening right now is that stores are seeing hoarding going on and they don't know how to deal with this. The systems are not wow. keeping up. It's wow. breaking and no one was talking about this. So we phoned, went back old school, phoned all of our accounts across the country and we said, can we deliver a truckload? 
of product to your store. And like 70% of our accounts said, please. Really in the next phase uh, that I'll never forget, um, all of our team across the U.S. was hearing that San Francisco was shutting down and New York was shutting down. And that's when... uh, that's when you know people were told to shelter in place. So while everyone's being told to shelter in place, I, as the CEO and leader of my company, is saying to my team, uh, actually, we're an essential product, and here is your N95 mask that we have left over from the fires in California, and your gloves, and your hand sanitizers, and you need to work. And I, I'll... Never forget getting a few emails from employees uh, reaching out to me and they said, are you trying to kill me? And they were serious. And they said, do you have any idea what you're doing right now? You're sending us out to stores to deal with this virus. And I said, I get it. I know this may not seem so obvious, but I've never managed during a pandemic, but we have to do this in order to, to, we are an essential product and this is what we have to do. So such an amazing story. 20% increase. Uh, actually higher than that. Well, well, what happened then is I went out into stores and, and started working and took on a route and went back into, you know, the, the old school of, you know, being in the field with the team to make sure that it was safe for the employees. So our wow. overall sales were up 50% in 2020. Our, just... our uh, direct-to-consumer business, which we started about seven years ago, up tripled um, yeah. since last it's, March. It's, it's just amazing. I mean, you're talking about the worst economy we've had in decades, and you're, and you're using it to build your business. It's a good example of the theme of your book. You do seem to be unstoppable. I'm here with Joe Yukazaglu, who is CEO of Deloitte US and had the good sense to sponsor this podcast. Joe, thanks for being with us and thanks for your support of our second season. Thanks, Alan. Pleasure to be here. Joe, we talked about technology adoption accelerating in 2020, but at the same time, it also seemed last year like there was an increase focused on people, on human capital. Can we hope for a future where we have both more technology and more humanity all at the same time? Well, Alan, I'm particularly energized leading a a large professional services firm where people are at the core. This is all about pairing great people with innovative technologies. It's not about replacing one with the other. It's allowing people to free up more of their time to do what humans do best. The technology is an enabler for great people to use their creativity, their complex judgment and decision-making skills. But at the same time, I think we have to recognize that getting this right definitely requires a new kind of corporate leadership. I would say out with the autocratic, all-knowing CEO sitting in the corner office and in with 
Those who bring vulnerability, empathy, humility, those are such critical attributes to unlocking the creative talents of the workforce in such a dynamic economy. Yeah, it is very different when you're trying to get a group of creative people to solve a problem than when you're simply giving orders and telling them what to do. It requires a brand of leadership that places a premium on instilling values, instilling principles, and empowering people to be able to make those judgments on the front line instead of waiting for some checklist or waiting for some prescriptive order from corporate that spells out exactly how each of those decisions need to be made. Joe, thank you. One of the lessons in the book is the importance of aligning with a cause. What do you mean by that? Well, I think, first of all, there's a there's a few different elements of that. I mean, I've learned a ton about water over the course of the last almost 16 years, including the fact that not all water is equal. And so as I've learned so much about this, that's when I started to realize that not everybody knows about water quality. I mean, they assume that their state or somebody's watching, the EPA is watching, or, you know, the state wouldn't actually put something out if it has too high levels of PFAS, for example. You know, potentially we're hoping to actually take this now with a new president before Congress to actually put some regulations around PFAS and we're really working to also consider PFAS a dangerous substance, which would put it into federal regulation versus leaving wow. it at the state level. So uh, Kara, how does the water quality cause tie into what you're doing at Hint Water? So health, right? My whole purpose for starting this company was to help myself and help people get healthy. And you cannot bottle water without removing the things that I know are in the water without thinking about, gosh, is that healthy? Is it not so healthy? You know, people hear about water quality and maybe they think about what happened in Flint, Michigan, right? And the lead. But there's other stuff that's really bad that's in the water too that isn't even being talked about. I mean, we have entire, you know, Native American lands in Arizona where I grew up where we have totally turned off the water supply because the PFAS levels have gotten so high. And shouldn't that be a basic human right for people to be able to drink water and clean water? And I think that that's the thing that there's this farce that water, dirty water is brown, right? Uh, not Always, right? Dirty water needs to smell. Nah, not really. It, it actually doesn't. Will high levels of PFAS kill you tomorrow? No. But if you've got it in your tap water, and I mean, frankly, under the Trump administration, a lot of this had really gone to a halt because there were us going into the EPA and actually talking about how do we bring water um, and clean water to a federal level versus a state level was just a massive conversation that nobody really wanted to have. So we're still working hard to 
push that uh, PFAS potentially be taken much more seriously at the federal level with the EPA uh, to be considered a dangerous substance. So if it's considered yep. a dangerous substance, it would be mandatory for all states to actually remove PFAS from their water supply. Yeah. yeah. Well, I agree. I think everyone has a right to clean water, maybe even with a hint of uh, fruit in it. Yeah. Well, and that's it. I, I It's interesting and probably a longer conversation, but we've never competed against plain water. So people would say, gosh, you're, you're competing against the Nestle's and some of the other plain water companies out there. We actually encourage people to have more water. That is really what our mission is. But there are these people like me who will go off and drink diet sodas or you know, some of the other enhanced waters with sugar and diet sweeteners in it because they think that those are healthier for them. I always suggest to people find a product like Hint or find or drink plain water, but just know it's clean water. Kara, I want to talk about uh, switch gears just slightly about your support for other women owned businesses, women entrepreneurs, women leaders. It's really been like a, a really important part of how you've always led, how you've always talked, what you've talked about at our conferences. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what you're thinking and what you're doing now, particularly as we're coming out of this pandemic, which was just such a nightmare for working women? Yeah. I mean, I think more than anything, we've seen a, a really challenging time. I, I mean, the reality is, is that women make less money in many, right. many cases. And so right. you just do the simple math and figure out when somebody's got to be watching the kids, it's going to be the person that makes less money. And right. so we're in a situation where we've got to pay attention to this and and while we're paying attention to it, also be supportive as leaders of these employees or former employees uh, at, at, as well. And so I think more than anything, I think it's just trying to help people figure out exactly what is the next step. Maybe this is your time to actually figure out what is next for you. And yep, I've yeah. talked to so many people, I don't know about you, Ellen, but so many people who are making big changes, not just location changes, but also yeah. what do I want to do with my life? And this is the time. This, it, is, this it. is the time to do it. Uh, sum it up for us. You've got other people out there who are trying to figure out what to do with their life, who may have a passion that they think can become a business. What have you learned? What is your advice to them on how to make it happen? I think know that anytime you're doing anything new, that it's going to be a little uncomfortable, right? So often I feel like the older we get, the less likely we are to try something new or something that is a little scary or something that is that we could fail at. And I, I really think that if you look at your if, if you look at your journey as a time when you are going to learn along the way and you're going to have fears, you're going to have doubts, you're going to have the doubters along the way, but know that it's all part of your journey. Uh, it's it's such a great story, Kara, and, and such a great conversation. Thank you for taking the time uh, uh, to be with us. And, and, and thank you also for sharing your story with others. It has to be an inspiration. I mean, that you can do things. You can do the impossible. Loved having you here. Thanks so much for taking thank the time. Thank you. Leadership Next is edited by Nicole Vergala, written by me, Alan Murray, 
along with my amazing colleagues, Ellen McGirt and Megan Arnold. Our theme is by Jason Snell. Executive producers are Mason Cohn and Megan Arnold. Leadership Next is a production of Fortune Media. Leadership Next episodes are produced by Fortune's editorial team. The views and opinions expressed by podcast speakers and guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Deloitte or its personnel, nor does Deloitte advocate or endorse any individuals or entities featured on the episodes. 